This is a Triple M Footy podcast. With all the latest news and stories that matter right now in footy, it's Tom Brown's News. Good afternoon. Trade period continues today. Hawthorne, finally some clarity on that process. And Essendon continues to be what's now become a national story in terms of the resignation of their CEO, Andrew Thorburn. I'll give you the latest on that as well. But I'll start with trade period and do a bit of a scorecard now on where some of the big outstanding deals sit. Josh Dunkley and Brisbane seem to be at loggerheads in terms of him getting there. Brisbane's shuffled down the order, so that's obviously complicated that deal and obviously frustrated the Bulldogs. Grundy to Melbourne will get done. It's just a matter of how and what Collingwood's prepared to accept. They want something better than pick 27. Graham Wright's just digging in his heels at this stage regarding that. Luke Jackson obviously could assist that deal if Melbourne gets some better picks to help with the Grundy deal. Um... Luke Jackson to Fremantle isn't done yet. They continue to haggle over a deal. It is significant that uh, advisors on that deal are not relying on lob going as a means of getting that done. So I think that's significant. In terms of lob getting for the Bulldogs, that is in danger of eventually falling over. Lob's bought a place in Melbourne, wants to stay in Melbourne, expected this to go through after Fremantle tried to move him on last year. I think the best argument Lob's got now is that the picks that Dockers would get could help them land the Dockers, Sharp and Corbett from the Gold Coast. Horn Francis, this is interesting and a massive, massive deal in terms of him trying to get to Port Adelaide. There was a proposal yesterday of a three-way deal involving West Coast, but West Coast's not happy shuffling from two back to eight in the draft. They would get it back a future second and obviously lose Rioli, but in effect, West Coast is sort of shuffling from two back to eight for nothing and they're not willing to accept that deal. So that's just slowed up just at the minute. Oliver Henry to Geelong. The Bows deal will free up Geelong in terms of options now. Now, clearly, they're not going to give up pick seven for Oliver Henry, but they've definitely got more flexibility. As I mentioned earlier in the week, one of the issues for Collingwood is they don't want to lose Henry for something worse than, say, late 20s or in the 30s. Having said that, their money offered to Henry, that one-year deal, is not significant. It's not a significant amount of money and a lot less than what they're paying Bobby Hill. So Collingwood sort of, I caution to say it, but sort of having their cake and trying to eat it too in regards to that deal that's where they're running into trouble. Anyway, so that's a bit complicated. Rankin to Adelaide could happen as soon as today. John Ralph has reported this in the Herald Sun. It will involve, obviously, pick five, potentially a future third and a future fourth. And Adelaide, obviously, would uh, get uh, Rankin and a fourth rounder. There's a shuffle back in the order. So that's the deal that could happen today. Still no clarity on Hopper to Richmond, but knowing Richmond, they'll have a means of getting that down. I think it'll involve a future pick, but uh, they're just working that out now. They've obviously got Tarrant locked in. Frampton to Collingwood could happen as soon as today. They're just fiddling around with those picks in the third round. Graham Wright wants a slightly better deal. Fiorini to Collingwood will be next on their agenda. And then Mitchell to Collingwood is still being worked on in the background as well. I'm confident on Mitchell getting to Collingwood, but there's a bit of work to do in that regard. The Saturday Rub, Friday Huddle, Sunday Rub, Midweek Rub, Tom Brown's News and all the footy podcasts you need are in one place. Subscribe to Triple M Footy on the Listener app or wherever you get your podcasts. Just a trade nugget. Um, it doesn't involve players, it involves managers. Um, managers and the list managers sort of become celebrities at this time of year. Um, a lot of uh, keen trade observers will know Paul Connors and Robbie DeRazio. They, won- they run, if not the, but one of the most successful uh, talent agencies. Nathan Freeman, who you'll be familiar familiar with from St Kilda and Collingwood, works for them. He still plays in the VFL. He's an agent. He's still contracted to Paul and Robbie, but has uh, left to set up his own shop, I understand, this week. So he'll be uh, looking to bring some of his own players over, and I'll have more details on that tomorrow. But it is an interesting sort of off-field trade story. Nathan Freeman looking to set up his own agency and go it um, by himself. 
And that always produces that famous squabble over which players you take. I'm sure there won't be a squabble because Paul Connors and Robbie Drazio are at the top of their game. But uh, with his players involved, that can be the result. This is Tom Brown's News, bringing you the latest in footy every Monday, Thursday and Friday. Here at first on Listener. The AFL yesterday, Gillan McLaughlin announcing formally the independent panel that will now hear the facts in regards and try and gather the facts in regards to Alastair Clarkson and Chris Fagan. The aim of that panel is that they will publish their findings publicly uh, by the end of the year. And that decision will go to the AFL Commission to decide what, if any, penalties for Alastair Clarkson and Chris Fagan. As I mentioned, in terms of the timing, the aim of all this is to resolve it by the end of the year. Um, what does that mean in terms of Clarkson and Fagan? It's impossible to know at the moment, and I don't want to prejudge the facts. But if if they've done anything wrong, my view on all this is it does create the situation where possibly if they received some of their penalty, if they receive a penalty already served, given they've stood down at the moment, I guess it opens the possibility of them returning to coaching by round one. But that's too hypothetical at the moment because we don't know their guilt. I don't want to prejudge their guilt. But uh, I think the key point is they'll be um, held to account under the AFL rules on an external process, which I think is probably good for Clarkson and Fagan. And the timing now, hopefully resolved in a decision from an AFL perspective by Christmas. It's open to the complainants to pursue civil or uh, human rights action if they want separately that process. That's their right and obligation. In terms of whether the alleged uh, victims and complainants will participate in that process, um, their lawyer has already expressed, or one of their lawyers has already expressed some reservation about the independence of it. The AFL can only go under their own rules. They've tried to contact the complainants. They still don't know the identity of all the alleged complainants, and uh, it is making it difficult, but it's all obviously having to go through the lawyers. So the AFL's, I guess, doing its best under the rules. The AFL clearly wants the alleged complainants to participate, but uh, that process will obviously ramp up now in the next few weeks. Bringing you the latest in footy news before you hear it anywhere else. This is Tom Brown's News. Essendon uh, continues to be what's now a national story. I saw this morning the pastor of the church concerned spoke on Sunrise, and it's worth referring back to that uh, interview. David Koch did a good job on uh, on Sunrise. Um, in terms of what's going on, I'll start with obviously the big question why Essendon didn't identify this issue before it became an issue. Um, Brendan O'Connor, the skills minister, weighing into this uh, today, said, I think Essendon Football Club has handled this very badly. There should have been due diligence done before the appointment. Um, Jake Niles written a good article in The Age on this issue today. It's my understanding that Ernst & Young, who was the accounting firm involved, did find the reference to the church online, but didn't identify the sermon concerned. And it was explained to me and our online guys here will probably know about this, that the reason you can easily Google it now is because as more people have searched for that this week, it's gone to number two now on the Google rankings. But apparently when the um, headhunting firm in charge of checking the references checked, they didn't identify this critical 2013 sermon. So that was obviously one issue in the whole process. I spoke to Israel Falau's lawyer yesterday about whether organisations are allowed to take these views into account. And in summary, he said where it's a senior management position and the views of the organisation potentially conflict with the views of the manager you're appointing, you can take them into consideration. And he also said the fact that uh, the Andrew Thorburn, the proposed CEO, was chairman of this church was also relevant in terms of attributing or, um, I guess, adopting those views. Um, so that was interesting what he said yesterday. 
In terms of some critical football questions, and I'll sort of focus on that, will this affect the leadership, in particular David Barham? Well, clearly he's under pressure. They've had a lot of gaffes now, including the handling of uh, Ben Rutten, also the handling of Xavier Campbell's exit, the CEO, um, Kevin Sheedy's comments last week where he, in effect, supported uh, James Hurd after they'd appointed uh, Brad Scott, which was highly embarrassing for the club, and now this botched appointment. Uh, Paul Little, the former chairman and very well, billionaire, made some comments yesterday, said the club is making too many mistakes. So clearly there's a lot of pressure now on David Barham. His supporters point out that Barham's actually introducing the types of change that the club needs, i.e. this independent review that's uh, going to come back on the football department and be tabled to the board as soon as next week. But uh, I think Damien Barrett's article yesterday could end up being on the money on the AFL website. I think Barham might, and this is possible, you know, implement the changes recommended by the football review and in three, six, nine months, hand the, uh, hand the uh, footy, so to speak, on to someone else. For example, Andrew Welsh might be good. He's come onto the board. The other person that's being touted at the moment is uh, Andrew Muir, who founded or helped found The Good Guys. I think he's close to a billionaire. He's out at the club yesterday. He's an existing director. Um, he splits his time between Melbourne and London, which is one issue. But I know that his name's been touted this week as a potential uh, president down the track. What's happening with the CEO appointment? Well, that's now clearly critical. Um, there's four candidates that were shortlisted apart from Andrew Thorburn. They're work, work, working through those at the moment. I know Simon Matthews' name came up from Richmond. I'm not convinced he'll get the job, but he's certainly a possibility in that regard. But who now? They've got to get this CEO appointment absolutely right now. You know, Any more botches on that front would be, um, well, further disaster for the Bombers. And in terms of the football review, I mentioned it. Um, that's now going to produce, I think, some pretty big structural changes. There'll be Andrew Thorburn's recommendations and Ernst and Young's recommendations, which is kind of ironic. Is that process tainted by the fact that EY have botched up or helped botch up this uh, CEO appointment? Well, they did the review on Carlton and did the review on Richmond successfully. So uh, I think there'll be some good recommendations or important recommendations from that, and that'll be tabled to the board as soon as next week. It's a pretty disastrous situation, but I'm sure they're, well, they're trying, endeavouring to work through it, the Bombers. That concludes a pretty big news day again. I'll be back tomorrow with some updated trade news. It's sort of that just lull at the moment in trade period, where, as I mentioned, you've got those massive, massive names still to get through, but that'll obviously ramp up today, tomorrow, and in particular over the weekend and into next week. We'll cover all that on our social channels. Triple M rocks football. That was Tom Brown's news. Come back every Monday, Thursday, and Friday for more and subscribe to Triple M Footy on Listener or wherever you listen to get all our podcasts throughout the season. For Ream Hot Water and McDonald's, Triple M rocks footy.